0: little race jokes like here, here's an example um i say i said man white people are wild y'all really are are charging us a hundred dollars off of ancestry.com to tell us where you took us from you know <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can make a, a, a race funny hmm. you can but the problem is people want to cancel you we live in a cancel culture
1: this is united states of race personal stories of how our earliest memories determine a lifetime of relationships. Each episode features one guest sharing their experiences with race. Listen without prejudice to their real uninhibited stories because by sharing when we first learned we are all different, we find the common thread that shows us how much we are all the same. I'm your host, DB Krema. Today we're joined by Kendra, who was made fun of as a child for her looks But it's the present-day bullying for her unpopular political beliefs that really makes her feel like she doesn't fit in within her own community.
0: So when did you first become aware of race? I first became aware of race. I was seven years old, and I remember the school that I went to was predominantly Black. In Fayette County, if anybody is familiar with Atlanta, um, Fed County is becoming the ghetto now. All right. But at the time when I was a child, it was a really good school system. So school I went to was more so like middle, upper class, you mm-hmm. know, Black people. We had a few white kids and everything else. But I remember ha- having elementary kids talk about, you know, you're Black and everything else. So I remember first hearing it from school, mm-hmm. right? I said, okay, cool. No issue. Middle school was when it became an issue. Sixth grade, I remember saying I wanted to be white. And the reason I said I wanted to be white, and I really just denounce being black altogether. I remember having watching somebody on television and you had to be careful what you watch on television. They, they would always talk about, you know, black people. Uh, I used to think only black folks were on welfare. I always, that's really what I thought because mm-hmm. watching television, they portray black people as thugs, criminals, angry black women. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, Oh, black women are mean. I had girls would say, "Oh, your mom doesn't like you know curse at y'all. You're black, Kendra. You're supposed to like have your mom do that." I'm like, "What?" If black people do this, and I'm like, "I don't want to be black. Like, I want to have the white mom." You know, the stereotype is all white parents in general they very lenient with their children, and so I'm like, "I I wish I could 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 experience that." Uh And this is around the time where my parents divorced as well, so Mm -hmm. my mom was the So, you know, provider had custody over us and we were literally, we were at riches and I'm still at rags to this day, present day. Okay. So living in, you know, an impoverished neighborhood with my mother, my two brothers, it was four people in one apartment bedroom. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I really just felt like, okay, maybe if I was white, I wouldn't be having to live in this area. And like I said, I wanted to be white. And I remember I wanted to be Puerto Rican. What? I'm going to tell you why. The guys I had a crush on, they love Spanish looking women. That exotic look type woman. Those, the girls in the school, they were the ones getting the most attention. Mm. I was getting looked over. And still to this day, I have had issues with women because it was black women who made fun of my hair, said it was too coarse, it's too nappy, you need to get a perm, and I literally felt very disgusted. I wasn't aware that I suffered depression at that young age, at like 11, going on 12 years old. I didn't know what depression was. I just knew I felt disgusted. Because how could you talk about somebody's hair like that? Mm. How could you talk about somebody's eyebrows? Your eyebrows are, are too thick. And so with that being said, I remember I got some scissors because I'm like, I don't like my eyebrows. So I started cutting my eyebrows and I looked crazy as hell. And I'm glad eyebrows grow back, honey. It, I'm so glad it grows back. That could not have been a good look. But yeah, so and your lips are too big. Why your, why your lips so big? But isn't that what people pay for now? <laughs> yes, they do. They do. And I just I literally middle school was the worst, the worst type mm-hmm. of years for me. I would have people call me ugly. And I remember up until that time, nobody ever called me ugly. And I I literally believe that. and And that's where low self-esteem comes in. OK, so like I said, we start with depression. Then we get to low self-esteem. And I remember seventh grade out of out of my middle school years. Seventh grade was the worst. But I mean, middle school, junior
1: high is known to be a brutal time. I mean it's a it vicious is. place and mm-hmm. middle schoolers are not kind to each other. They're not I mean is that about race?
0: It is about race in a sense because it was black women it was it was a self-hatred mm. amongst black women telling me you're not beautiful because your hair doesn't look like it's not thin, it's 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 not straight. You know, mm-hmm. your your skin complexion. Um, I I literally just felt like being white was the way to go. Mm. And I came across white people who treated me better, who were so much nicer, mm. um, who made me feel like I was one of them. I literally was going through so many different mm-hmm. things. hmm. Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who I was. Um, And a lot of it came from my mother as well. You know, there was a lot of tension with me, Mm -hmm. with my mother. Uh, The way she would talk to me, talk down to me in a way. And I said, I wish, you know, my mom was white, Mm. you know, because I know white parents, they're not going to treat their children as such. Right. Uh, But again, these are stereotypes because not Mm -hmm. every white parent, you know, does that same thing with not every black parent does that. So if you you thought that if you were white
1: it would make your life better you would be would, kind of taken out of the ghetto you would be
0: living a much better life in every respect I did I did and I felt that if I was white or if I was Puerto Rican I would get a better have the better upper hand you know like I said because if you watch too much television it will make you think that black people are less than mm-hmm. I equated success and happiness mm-hmm. to either being white or Puerto Rican it, it you know and of course like I said as you get older you realize that you know that's definitely not gonna be be the truth and what was so crazy was I had this thing where I was like oh I want to grow up in the hood I want this ethnic name I want everything so I could feel like I belong with African Americans but then People used to think I when I would get on the phone with them, they're like, oh, you talk very proper. Are you mm-hmm. white? I just did not fit in. I felt like I really did not did not feel it fit in. I said, well, maybe I must destined to be white because people say I talk proper. I don't act black enough, whatever that means. I had a girl. She was in elementary school. And I still to this day don't know how to braid hair. So I need a support group to start for women who don't know how to braid hair, (laughs) black women. And she said, how do you not know how to braid (laughs) hair? That's what she said. She's like, you're African American. How do you not know how to braid hair? I get made fun of to date present day for showing up on time for being prepared, you know, whatever, whatever other type of stereotype that could possibly come. Hey, do you like watermelon fried chicken? Um, I, I don't care for watermelon. And I told some black people that, right. They're like, how are you black and you don't like watermelon? And I'm like, guys, this is just my opinion. And I'm very quick to tell people just because we're black doesn't mean that you have to go and root like, okay, for example, a certain film or TV character that, you know, is just bad, you know, for a fact, they Mm -hmm. did a bad job. But if I sit here and say I don't really care for that, something's wrong with you, you you know what? You sold mm-hmm. out, you're a sellout. I'm a sellout because I don't want to like the same thing that you're liking. For so many years I had people say, Kendra, are you are you are you sure that you're black? And so I was really just trying to understand like what 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 type of person am I?
1: Mm-hmm. So how did you deal with your depression, like the fallout of of all that you were facing in, in middle school and kind of into high school? How did you deal with that?
0: I just I just bared the pain. You know, I, I I went every day. I wish I was dead. There were times I wanted to die. Um, you know, I was still like a happy, you know, go lucky kid on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm only reason i went to counseling it was just you know my parents were divorcing my mom felt like putting me in there but even when i was in counseling i didn't talk about nothing it was like a waste but i never dealt with it properly and i always find it funny how parents can spot your fake friends but they can't spot their child is depressed you ever notice that <sighs> uh-huh. and so i didn't say nothing you just kept it hidden or bottled up and then as time progressed my depression became worse because of other life situations that happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I didn't do nothing positive about it. I just, you know, I, I I thought about cutting myself and then that hurt. So I said, I'm not going to cut myself no more. This, let me not try this. I couldn't do any drugs. I wasn't, I, I couldn't get access to any drugs. Mm-hmm. Journaling, journaling was cool. Journaling, I guess is a healthier option, but I didn't start journaling until high school. It's interesting you said that
1: you were outwardly a happy-go-lucky mm-hmm. kid, even though you were just kind of sitting on top of this mound of of depression and, um,
0: you know, self-loathing. Yeah, I would I would definitely call it that, you know, and it made me really question what was I on this earth for if I was going to end up having to, you know, to think like this, to... It got to the point where I'm like, I really wanted to be homeschooled. I wanted to be away from everybody. All of my life, I literally had issues when it came with black people. And then I had to realize people are gonna be people. That's right. what I that's what I had to come down to. I had, I don't know if it was just prayer, I don't know if it was maturity, but I had to get out of that mindset thinking that black people are what they are portrayed to be on television, this is not who every black person is. Mm -hmm. But I felt that if I'm gonna be, you know, African-American, I have to act like this. Mm -hmm. I have to talk like this. It wasn't working for me. People will call me an an, an enigma. You know, there are some black people out there who might look the stereotype, but they're the ones who say, you know what? Never judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. And this is and this is also people are like, oh well, me, even when it comes with being a Republican, it's it, for 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 whatever reason, a lot of black people think, oh, well, Republicans are racist and they're not for us, and Democrats the way to go, and all of that type of stuff. But if I say, you know, I like Donald Trump better as president than Biden. Oh, I'm wrong for that. I was afraid to speak my mind around Black people mm-hmm. because I felt like this is going to sound so... I'm, I'm about to be as descriptive as I can. Mm-hmm. I felt like by me speaking the truth, I was going to be lynched, like verbally, not physically. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're supposed... You know what I remember? This is something that just came into my mind. When uh, President Obama ran for the second time, and at that time I was uh, able to vote, hmm my mother said, if you don't vote for for him, you won't have a place to go. We don't do the other party in this household. And she was serious, too. Hmm. So with all that being said, the fact that I had, when this past election, my aunt called me and she told me who to vote for. She told me who to vote for. She says, we need to get Trump out of office. Why should we get him out of office? Because have you not been paying attention to what's going on? Okay, but so you think Biden's going to be better? We don't want Donald Trump in office. That man's a racist. He's trying to build this wall. He's trying to do this. Well, you know what? When Donald was in office, guess what? My money came on time. And I know that sounds so bad, but I'm not the only one who's thinking like that. So like I said, if, if, because I if I say, oh, I'm a black Republican or MAGA or whatever else it may be, oh, we're oh, off with Kendra's head. Hmm. I get bullied this this is this is what what else is really bad as well when we had the protest Mm -hmm. over the summer when George Floyd was you know viciously murdered and I'm not gonna lie I felt very led to write a status about the inequality and 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 issues when it came with you know black people I felt like if I didn't write that status, they would have been like, "Well, Kendra, you're a comedian. You're not going to say nothing about it?" "Oh, Kendra, you're 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 supposed to you're supposed to be like us." I felt peer pressure to do that. Meaning you
1: you felt like you need to make some sort of statement.
0: Yes, I felt like I had to make a statement because majority of black people were making a statement and I didn't want to feel left out. I didn't want to feel like I, you know, am for the
1: other side. So what I hear you saying is that if you're questioning things that are of popular opinion within the black community, you become the target and you're the one who's representing the unpopular view and the being kind of outcast or
0: marginalized. Most definitely. And I, and I, this is, this is, this is like a bullying method. You're bullying me into wanting me to be just like you. It's like if I tell the truth, oh, you're you're labeled as an angry black woman. I'm not. How am I angry? I'm just I'm talking to you regularly. I'm just being honest. And and, I want to say this as well. I've never personally when it came with, you know, racism as far as with like a police officer, I've never had to personally deal with that where they have stopped me for driving while black. Mm -hmm. You know, I know for black men, it's more prevalent. You know, I know for a fact, there are going to be some places I can't go, even in this day and age, rural, you know, Georgia. where did I learn that from? I don't, I think it just instinctively came. Mm -hmm. I don't want to feel like that, but I do. But- so a lot of people would say
1: that your support of the Republican Party and being a Republican goes against your interests. By being Republican, mm-hmm. you are voting for things that are you're voting against your interests, and you're voting for a group of people who want to maintain the existing status quo, which is in part maintaining a police state against the black community.
0: And, and that's why I say I want, you know, I don't want you guys to think that like, OK, after listening to Kendra, she is totally against black people. She's not going to marry black. No. no, 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 no. I This is what I want people to do mm-hmm. instead of just following the blind leading the blind when it comes with the Republican Party, when it comes with Donald Trump or whomever else there may be out there. I want black people to just do the research I just want more Black people to just say, okay, I'm not going to be following the crowd because everyone else says we need to do this. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to keep,
1: I come back to this piece about, you know, one of the, most important pieces of currency that we as individuals in this country have is Mm -hmm. our voting power. Our political currency is our vote, our individual vote. Now, I mean, Mm -hmm. putting aside the issues with Electoral College and a lot that's being done to disenfranchise vast communities, still as the individual, our strongest piece of currency is the power to vote. And many would say that and would point out a multitude of ways in which by voting for the Republican Party, you are voting for the status quo and you're voting for policies that are designed to Uh disenfranchise your community, are designed to perpetuate the socialization that leads to internalized racism that you as a child experienced Uh and was at the receiving Uh end. So, and I, I get that you know, black people are not a monolith by any means. And, and it's mm-hmm. ridiculous to think that everyone should think the same way. I completely hear you mm-hmm. on the, the importance of each person applying their own critical lens and coming to their own conclusions. What's the best way to go about doing that? Is that go, going and
0: voting for a party that's not? Can, can, I, can I say this? Mm-hmm. And this is, again, the, the ancestors are cursing me out right now, but hey, it's okay. I, I'm, being, I'm being me. I finally have come to a place where I am okay with how I think, whether it be right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Politics and, and car salesmen, they, they're the same thing. Okay. <laughs> Common sense goes out the window, man. Once I've come to that place in my life and I realize that both parties, these politicians are dirty. They say whatever they want to say. Cause again, they're going to promise you everything. So, how do we move on from this point when it's just every
1: topic is so divisive and gets so po- politicized? We're just seem to be getting further and further into our polarized camps. And that's certainly not leading us anywhere productive.
0: <laughs> I think the best thing to do is, number one, I think we all, everyone, we all know the difference between right and wrong. We all the, the whole, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. And so where do we go from here? We go to the place of being kind to one another. I treat everybody the same. Mm -hmm. Being able to say, you know what? I'm not going to treat my brother or my sister that way. Show love to one another. You know, we're going to do, we're going to agree to disagree in love. Mm. That's it. That's all I ask for is to agree to disagree with me and love.
1: Thanks for listening to United States of Race. This podcast was produced by me, D.B. Crema. Our artwork is designed by Ally Creative, and our recordings are done via Squadcast FM. With everything being remote these days, Squadcast delivers studio quality remote recording for all your podcast needs. If you love great storytelling, you can follow United States of Race on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And show us some love by rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. You can also share this podcast with your friends and anyone who believes in the power of building connection through sharing personal stories. And you can follow us on Instagram at all one word, United States of Race. And as always, if you, yes, you have a compelling story to share and would like to be featured in an upcoming episode, send us a message at unitedstatesofrace@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until next time.